It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. That's the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs here, corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown, Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, filling in for JT today is Harry Ruiz. Ah, we're closing up another week here on the JT The Brick Show. It's always an honor to be here with you guys. And today I'm looking at my producer, Bobby, right in the face instead of just listening to him in my headphones. So it's a good day and absolutely a great day when I get to also hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. Yesterday was a guest-heavy show uh, when we were live from Raiders headquarters. And the funny part is I had only one guest confirmed by the time I I woke up yesterday at 7 in the morning. So today, we only got two guests. That way, we get a chance to talk with my favorite guests of all, you, our listeners, here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, on the Raiders app, on our website, on the Las Vegas Sports Network. We love to listen from you. Preseason kicked off last night with the Hall of Fame game, which it seems like every year something happens that the games get stopped or delayed, suspended, and it's like, Crazy, but at the end of the day, the game happened. The New York Jets lost 16 to 21 to the Cleveland Browns, who scored a touchdown in the second, third, and fourth quarter, and that was enough to get the victory. Zach Wilson saw action yesterday as one of the three quarterbacks for the Jets, for the Brown, Kellen Mond, and local product. Dorian Thompson-Robinson were out there on the field. DTR, the former Bishop Gorman player, former UCLA Bruin, completed eight passes for 82 yards and one touchdown also carried the ball six times for 36 yards good luck to him we hope always that the local kids from out here from las vegas do great on the field but if we're talking about local the las vegas raiders they're the local squad and they're the one that the raider nation wants to come up in the best way possible you look at all the projections that the major publications all around the country are doing, and they don't expect the Raiders to do great. I remember being on the air last year here on Raider Nation Radio, not in the same studio. They upgraded us now. This year, we got a bigger TV screen. We got better space. Bobby has a new board. It's a little bit better. So it's like, okay, I remember last year, folks were pissed off that the Raiders weren't being looked at as a contender. And... I told them, it's like, hey, if you feel that way, go to the casino and do what you want to do and look at those odds and put bets on the Raiders. I always like waiting until the season starts, and unfortunately, it wasn't a good start for the Silver and Black. Now, this year, it's year two of the Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler regime, and we have to see improvement from the squad. And so far, out of the 90 players on the field for the Raiders, more than 70 have been picked by the current regime, either as free agents, as undrafted free agents, as players brought in as draft picks for the silver and black, and now things have to change. And you know what? 
I've been out there at training camp pretty much every day except one, which was Wednesday, which I couldn't go to. And I see the players on the field more confident. I see players on the field that are more comfortable with what they are doing. And it's like something that always happens at every job. I remember when I filled in for JT the first time, I, I'll be honest. I was at home puking the night before because I had never filled in for JT and I had never done a radio show for two hours in English. So I was I was nervous. I was like, am I going to be able to do this? Am I not going to be able to do this? And then I remember coming into the studio. Bobby was super helpful. Bobby has been great with me. He's like, nah, it, he has been helpful with me a lot. So it's like, hey, you get used to it. And now a year later, here I am and I feel super comfortable on the air. And shout out to the Raider Nation, Doc Jen, Dr. Andrew, Fabian, Jesswin, Wendy, everybody that uh, every time I bump into them, uh, they always uh, say that they enjoy listening to me on the radio, so it means the world to me. I know that you won't be liked by absolutely everybody, but it always feels good when you hear people say that they enjoy your work. So it's coming in here, feeling comfortable on the air, that's important. I'm way better, I feel, from last year to this year. It's the same way with the players on the field. One year into being with the same coaching staff, into having the same boss in front of you, having the same uh, folks giving you instructions on what to do, they feel more comfortable on the field. They're flying a little bit different out there. And today, after having an off day yesterday, today they were in the indoor field. Just like last time, they had an off day. The next day, they were in the indoor field. I was confused. I actually went to the outdoor field, and I didn't see anybody there. No fans, no players. And I was like, I got to check my email twice. Was it at 9.15? Did I miss the whole practice? And then I was like, oh, no, 9.15. That's a little bit later. It's a little bit hotter. They're going to be indoors. So I had to walk all the way to the indoor, fi indoor field, and that's where the squad practiced today. And... I got to say this, I say, I say a Polamau, I was watching practice next to Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, and he's been flying and doing his thing out there in the secondary, making plays and opening eyes. And that was something that I was talking with the folks from the morning tailgate, Clay Baker, Vinny Vonsignor, Lindsey Brown, like I do every Friday at 8 in the morning, and they were asking me about Trayvon Merrick, and I was completely honest. I was like, I haven't seen Trayvon just like – what have everybody's eyes on him and doing spectacular plays that you just look at him and you're like, yo, Trayvon is killing it. I haven't seen that in this camp, which is something that we've seen from other players from the silver and black, like the rookie Jacorian Bennett. We've been saying it over and over again since training, since, um, sorry, OTAs, since mandatory minicamp. And now with training camp, same thing with Trey Tucker which they got the pads on now, and he still looks as good as he did when they didn't have the pads on, the rookie drafted out of the University of Cincinnati. That's good. And now Isaiah Pulamau, it's been a couple of days when I'm like, hey, you know what? This kid from USC, number 20, he's looking good. And last year he came to the Raiders as an undrafted free agent. He did his thing, and he earned himself a spot on this squad and now he has to maintain it and so far at practice he's been looking good he's big he's physical he's 6'4 205 pounds and that's the kind of guys that you're like hey you got those extra two three inches in your height that might be able to stretch your arms out a little bit higher and get your hands on the football and deflect a pass or intercept that pass, and that's going to be a game changer. So it's good to see players doing their thing, and 
something that I've seen from these Raiders is that when they're indoors, for some reason, the defense seems to be getting the best out of the quarterbacks, out of the wide receivers, and been doing plays. And that's positive for the Raiders. Guess what? They play their games indoors. So let's see what that goes on. But now you know that in a week when they have their – first practice on Thursday that's joint with the 49ers and their second one on Friday, they're going to be outdoors. They can't fit all those bodies in uh, 150 yards that are indoors out there at the Intermountain Health Center in Henderson, Nevada. So get everything done and get everything out of the way right now. And something that I've liked also, Jimmy G. I've seen him take a little bit more risks in these practice sessions than the previous quarterback for the Silver and Black. And that's something that, you know what, at the end of the day in games, you're going to have to take risks. You're not always going to be ahead in the score. There's going to be days that you're going to have to get 80 yards in less than two minutes, and you're going to have to potentially go and get out of your comfort zone and potentially put a 50-50 ball with one of your players and one of the other team's players, and hopefully your guy comes down with it. I like it that the Quarterbacks right now, they're taking risks, and it doesn't matter if a ball gets intercepted or not. It's like, yo, get everything out of the way right now, and guess what? If you have a training camp interception, it doesn't matter. You might have to do run a lap or two, or you might get that on tape and see in the video session, hey, this guy threw the ball here, and you shouldn't do it because of X, Y, and Z. It's better to do that right now than in week one than having three interceptions in week one, than having 14 interceptions in the full season. Get them out of the way right now. So Jimmy G was out there at practice. I stayed there for a little bit over an hour because I wanted to be here in the studio early to be able to coordinate stuff over here with our producer, Bobby. I liked what I saw. Tomorrow, there's going to be more action. Fans are back at the Intermountain Health Center. Be sure to get those ice-cold waters that they have available for you. Get that sunblock. Uh, be protected. Get a little. Get a fan or two. That way you can blow some air in your face because it does get hot after a couple of hours. So Raiders training camp is hitting full gear. Preseason. My God, we're less than 10 days away from the first preseason game, and it's going to be here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And our guest in hour number two, uh, Raider Dad, Josh, he's been doing a great job bringing in kids that might not be able to go to other games otherwise during the regular season, during the preseason. So we're going to have him in the hour number two to talk about this great project that he has going on. I remember it, it was probably the, a practice session that the Raiders had opened for PSL holders that I saw a group of kids that he had out there, and that's pretty cool because you got to educate the next generation. you got to educate the youngins about what the silver and black is all about. And even... Last Saturday, the Raiders had um, 20-plus high schools out there at training camp with kids watching players, NFL players, do their thing on the field. And I remember talking with one of the coaches, and he was like, hey, man, some of them aren't Raider fans, but they see a Devontae Adams in action. They see a Max Crosby in action. They see a Jimmy G in action live in person and see professional players in person. They might change their alliances real quick. 
because they get to meet these guys. And I got to give a shout out specifically to Devontae and to Max Crosby because I've seen pictures from these two guys almost every day after practice when fans are in attendance that they go over and they sign autographs and they take pictures. And that's how you engage a fan base. When the guys that you see on TV every Sunday doing their thing, being one of the best players, two of the best players in the NFL week in and week out, and you you got people wearing their jerseys, you got people buying their merch, and then when you're close to them and they come over and they take their time when they could easily be inside indoors in the AC, and no, they're outside, they're signing autographs, they're treating people like they should be. And I know that these players earn their money with their hard work, but without the fans... If you take the fans out of that st- the stands, how bad was the 2020 season uh, watching it on TV and no fans and having just Nat sounds that were pre-recorded or from Madden? It wasn't the same. You need the fans there. And the fans, if you show them love, they show you love back. And I'm glad that guys like Devontae Adams, like Max Crosby, and multiple Raiders are out there showing love to the fans in the stands. So we will have Josh from Raider Dad. A little bit later in hour number two. In hour number one, we're going to have Arash Markazi from the Sporting Tribune. We will talk all things Vegas sports, including the Raiders. And I know he's a big Pac-12 guy, so we will also talk about Oregon and Washington potentially leaving the conference just like USC and UCLA did or, well, will do soon. And also Alvin Kamara. And Indianapolis cornerback Chris Lamon suspended three games for an incident that happened before the 2021 Pro Bowl. So, and that happened out here in Las Vegas. We'll talk about that. Baseball, you know, I'm a big baseball guy. So, we will talk about the uh, postseason races happening right now at the beginning of August. But we're going to go to our phone lines right now because we got our first caller of the day all the way from Denver, Raider Dave. How excited are you for that week one game out there? Hola, man. How you doing? I uh, I wanted to go ahead and challenge the rest of Raider Nation to go ahead and talk about how you were indoctrinated into Raider Nation. Because I never really thought about it too much growing up watching, you know, uh, the Raiders in the late 60s, early 70s after they joined the NFL. But when I had a son, and he was three years old in Arizona, and we went up to the old Tempe Stadium to watch a Cardinal Raider game, this guy came up to me as I had my kid on my shoulders, and I was teaching him to do two hands, thumbs up, and say, go Raiders to anybody, you know, in the crowd that walked up next to us. This guy rolls out of his pocket a paper towel roll size of dollar bills, pulls out a $5 bill, and hands it up above my head to my kid, who's three years old, and you know what a $5 bill will do to a three-year-old. Oh, yeah. Eyes light up, and the guy's like, your first lemonade's on me. Welcome to Raider Nation. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so, yeah, you're talking about kids and bringing them out to a a preseason game because it's a little cheaper or whatever. That's the way to indoctrinate a kid into Raider Nation for sure. And I got a question about what you've seen at practice. I'm not going to ask, you know, is it all screens? Is it all sweeps? Is it stuff that's different? But what kind of, well, how can I get, how can I ask this? Are you surprised at creativeness in the offense that's being shown uh, with this new offense out there in practice? Heck, you know what, Dave? Thank you so much for the call. And actually, I'll I'll bring this up. Last year, my first show, it was actually that. I wanted to know how people became Raider fans, how they joined the Raider Nation. I told my story. A lot of folks told it. I love that story you just told us. So thank you so much for that call. And I'm not saying anything 
from this training camp because we can't go into specifics. But let's go back to last year. Remember the Raiders doing those trickery plays with um, first off, Carr having the ball, giving it to Josh Jacobs, Jacobs giving it back to Carr, Carr throwing a deep pass to Mac Hollins, the Raiders scoring a touchdown. It's nothing new. We've seen reverse plays. We've seen stuff in-game action that the Raiders aren't afraid to use. And that's something that Josh McDaniels always has in his back pocket. And that's something that with a coach with the offensive mindset like Josh McDaniels that is always looking for the next big thing that he can do is always something positive for a team. I'm not asking for trick plays every single game or every single series or just happening every other game. It's like, hey, they know the exact moments that they have to use them and they always have them in the back pocket and look it's no secret we've seen short and intermediate routes in a lot of plays but we've also seen deep deep routes going to Devontae Adams going to Hunter Renfro going to the kid Trey Tucker who has just opened my eyes I remember when the Raiders took him and I was like you know what I don't understand this move we got Hunter Renfro we got Jacoby Myers. Why are you bringing Trey Tucker? And now I see him on the field, and I'm like, yo, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, they 1,000% know what they are doing. Do you know what you're doing on Sunday? Well, I know what you should be doing. Head over to Dre's Beach Club at the Cromwell because Remy Martin will have every Sunday in August the Carnival Latin Sundays. Remy Martin will be there providing free Remy 1738 samples. Enjoy the fun in the sun at one of the premier day clubs on the Strip while a live DJ plays your favorite Latin music. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Let's go to a quick break, Raider Nation, and after it, we will have Arash Markazi from the Sporting Tribune to talk all things Vegas sports, to talk everything about what's going on in the Pac-12, because he's out there in SoCal, and I know that he has an opinion on that. You're listening to the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. To the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. When you look at, obviously, all the skill group, whether it's Devontae, Adjacoby, Hunter, um, Philip Dorsett, a guy I play with back in New England, I mean, he's, he's running faster than I've ever seen him run. You look at the, t- the young tight ends, obviously, Hooper, a lot of experience, Michael Mayer really coming along, obviously had a great college career, and then the running backs. I mean, each one's a little different, and they all bring something different to, to the offense, and so... It's been fun for me to learn to, uh, you know, work with those guys. Obviously, I got a lot of work in the spring and throwing to Devontae. I mean, trust me, that's you ask what's what's fun in training camp. Throwing to 17 is always fun. There you go. Brian Hoyer speaking about the offensive weapons that he is practicing with right now at training camp at Raiders headquarters. Harry Ruiz here with you on the JT The Brick Show closing out the weekend. When we talk about talent, I was like, hey, you know what? Let me hit up Arash Markazi, the founder and CEO of the Sporting Tribune. Arash, you were out here in Vegas for the Barcelona game on Tuesday. I was able to catch up with you briefly out there. And uh, how do you see this landscape out here in Las Vegas where, of course, if the Raiders aren't playing here at Allegiant Stadium, you don't get big-time games like Barcelona and Milan coming to Sin City? 
No, it's fantastic. I mean, it's been an amazing summer. I mean, I've always said that, you know, not only is Vegas becoming the sports capital of the world, but just in the summer in particular where you have, uh, you know, UFC boxing, uh, Team USA has training camp out here. They have a game on Monday, the NBA Summer League, WNBA All-Star Game, big uh, soccer matches as well. It's just, it's a lot of fun. I remember moving uh, back from Mexico to the States in 2010. I would always read you online on ESPN.com, listen to you on the radio, and it's great talking with you here on Raider Nation Radio today. What are, you, what are your thoughts about the Raiders heading into the 2023 season, their fourth year in Las Vegas? You know, I mean, there's a lot of potential, but I think there's a lot of question marks as well. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think a lot of people in San Francisco maybe towards the end, uh, felt that he hit his ceiling. But I said, you know, that ceiling led them to the Super Bowl. That ceiling led them one play away from going back to the Super Bowl again. So when you talk about a quarterback who has that kind of ability to, you know, again, maybe not be one of the top five or ten quarterbacks in the league, but he has that moxie, he has that ability to, uh, you know, get get the team. Uh, and again, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. And so... My big question mark is how is he going to play um, after being sidelined for so long? Again, we're really not going to get that that um, that um, answer in the preseason. I mean, you've already seen him get pulled in training camp. I, I really don't expect to see much of him in the preseason. So we're really going to have to see once the season starts how he looks, what's his uh, relationship and connection like with the Devontae Adams. The Josh Jacobs come back, but I, I do think that there's enough talent there to compete. The problem with the Raiders, as much as I like them on paper, they're in the toughest division in the league, where I, I don't currently have them ahead of the Chiefs on paper. I don't have them ahead of the Chargers. And while I do have them ahead of the Broncos, it's like, you know, I do believe Sean Payne will get that team back to playing competitive football. And how would you like to be, like, if you're inside the team, would you like to be in those favored positions where everyone is looking at you as, oh, no, they have to win the division, or a position that the Raiders have been the last two years as underdogs, that they have to come and surprise everybody and shock the system, shock the world, and be like, hey, we actually do have what it takes, because it seems like there's talent on the defense, on the offense, the coaching staff. I know that there is people that have question marks around them, but everybody wanted Josh McDaniels last year, and he only gave one team an interview, the one that ended up hiring him. Exactly. I think that's why uh, I like where the the direction of the team is headed. I I think they, they, they have a plan in place, and that's why I think, you know, people who may have been frustrated a year ago and who may be frustrated this year, uh, they have a plan in place, and it, it is a long-term plan, and I, and I do like the direction of the franchise. The, the thing that the Raiders will always face is they are one of the most iconic franchises in sports history. So no matter how they're doing, no one's ever going to, like, not go up or play up for the silver and black. So, you know, it's a little bit like the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Lakers and whatever. It's like no matter how those teams are doing – you're never going to waltz into a game with the Raiders. So um, I think that they're going to have a good team. I think they'll be in competition and contention for the playoffs. But the biggest thing for them is just you know, in a tough division like that, uh, you know, you, you, I mean, how, how will they look? And, and so, you know, 
I'm I'm hoping Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy because Jimmy G, if he's healthy, I really think can lead them back into the postseason. We're speaking with Arash Markazi, founder and CEO of Sporting Tribune, someone that you've seen in the sports media realm for plenty of years, an expert in every single sport. Arash, uh, with Las Vegas growing as a sports, like you said, the sports entertainment and capital of the world right now, do you think that the Raiders can end up becoming the premier franchise out here because I know right now it's the Golden Knights, right? They're the Stanley Cup champs. They're the team that is everyone's darlings, but the Raiders, the potential, you mentioned them. They're iconic. What do they have to do to get there? Well, it's a little bit like in Los Angeles and I've always told the teams there, it's very simple. You know, you you, you want to make it complicated, but if you win, if you win championships, you will win over the hearts of that city. Las Vegas is the same thing very similar to Los Angeles, there's a lot happening. So when a team is not performing well, there's other things for, for uh, people to do. There's other shows, there's other events, there's you know pool parties and casinos and the mountains and all that good stuff. And so you know, when the team's not playing well, you're not going to get the local community behind them. The other thing that, that, that I don't think gets factored in enough is that the Golden Knights was an expansion team. I mean, there's something to be said for that hashtag Vegas born. That's their team. With the Raiders, there is just still sort of that, like, they weren't, they weren't born here. That being said, Las Vegas is such a proud community that I promise you, as great as the parade was for the Vegas Golden Knights, if the silver and black at some point brings the Super Bowl, not just the game, right, but the actual Lombardi Trophy to Las Vegas, to the Strip, that will be one of the biggest parties in the history of the world. Oh, absolutely. And actually, well, we've had two parades now over the last year in Las Vegas. Yeah. I was I was shocked when they announced the Aces one, and it was from Caesars to Bellagio. I was like, that's it? And then the Golden <laughs> Knights, they did Caesars to New York, New York. And I was like, I thought it was going to be bigger. I got a feeling when the Raiders win the Super Bowl, not if, when the Raiders win it, it has to be all the way from the Strat to the Mandalay Bay because it, it's going to be huge. 100%. And, and, and that's the difference. I mean, I've, I've constantly told people, like, you may, wait, you may want to compare different teams in different, um, in different cities. But pro football, there's nothing like it. It is the king. It is the king. So when there's a pro football game on TV, there's nothing like it, you know. Oh, and you know what? Raider Nation, they're going to come from everywhere, especially L.A. and Oakland. But Raider Nation is worldwide. If you tell them, hey, there's a free parade on the Strip, you better have all the rooms available because it's going to be all silver and black. We have Arash Markazi exactly. on the line from the Sporting Tribune. New news out of the Pac-12, or, well, what's left of the Pac-12, because Oregon and Washington seems like they're going to the Big Ten. What's going on out there, Arash? You know, listen, I, everyone wants to talk about the end of the Pac-12, but we know the end of the Pac-12 was the day that USC and UCLA decided to leave. So at that point, the future of the conference was either – they were going to revert back to being the Pac-10 without their two most significant teams and the second biggest market. However, if it was San Diego State or UNLV or Hawaii that they could have joined, I saw this happening because when you saw the landscape of the TV contract, there was no way the Pac-10 uh, was going to get the same as the Big Ten or something like that. So I think the future of the conference is in a very precarious position. 
Yeah, and of course, Las Vegas, there's a lot of fans out here from the squads that are currently in the Pac-12, and we host the Pac-12 championship game at Allegiant Stadium. The Las Vegas Bowl has a tie-in with the Pac-12 to play teams from the SEC and the Big Ten, and now I'm like, hey, what's going to go, what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I I still want to see how this all shakes out. You know, I think Cal and Stanford make the most sense to join the Big Ten. Uh, at that point, I think uh, Arizona State, and Arizona, Utah, um, maybe joins the Big 12. I've always felt, and I really feel bad for these schools, that at the end of the day, the two schools that were getting kind of get left up in the cold was going to be Washington State and uh, Oregon State and Pullman and Corvallis. I mean, you're not going to get a line out the door for those schools. So then at that point, maybe they join the Mountain West or something like that. But uh, this is sort of the summer. I mean, the summer of 2024 will be the brand-new landscape of college football where, you know, you'll have 20 teams in the Big uh, Ten and 20 teams in the SEC. And, you know, I mean, I, it's really going to go towards the direction of really two main big conferences, but, you know, four general main conferences. Yeah, gone seems to be the days of the Power Five, and that's going to decrease a little bit more. Arash, tell the folks listening at home and on the radio and on their computers where they can follow your coverage, that you're always doing a great job just going all over the place. And, of course, your great squad that you have lined up around California over and over here in Nevada as well. Yeah, thanks so much. So this Sporting Tribune, we cover sports in Southern California, Las Vegas, and Hawaii. we got a great team at all three uh, places in Vegas, we got Steve Harp and Willie Ramirez and Kevin e. Martin in Los Angeles. It's myself, Mark Medina, uh, a few other uh, younger reporters in Hawaii. We have some folks out there. So just really covering uh, these three places. But really, it's sort of that 270 miles that connects Los Angeles and Vegas, which is the undisputed uh, center of the sports world. Again, you can dispute or debate whether it's Vegas or Los Angeles. But when you connect them, and as you know, with such a short flight, it's, you're talking about the Olympics, the World Cup, the Super Bowl, the Final Four, College Football Championship. If you go down the list, every big event is happening there. I'm still waiting for that bullet train from here to L.A. Yes, exactly. I mean, how many well, years has it been? Well, because every time we hear about it, it's like uh, it, it, it's not happening. It got delayed. But then, to be honest, Harry Wake, when it does happen, it's like, not downtown Los Angeles, which, which, which would be the dream, and I would be on that thing every week, weekend. It's Rancho Cucamonga, and no disrespect to Rancho Cucamonga and the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, the AAA affiliate of, out there, but that's not that close to Los Angeles. But listen, I'm very excited about that train. Whenever it comes, I'll be the first one on it. Yes, and I'll be the second one because I'm okay driving to L.A., but I'm like, just on Sundays, I don't want to go because I know that that traffic is crazy. Arash, I really appreciate you joining uh, the show here today, the JT LeBrick Show on Raider Nation Radio, and I hope to have you soon again before we see you out here in Vegas because you're uh, an honorary resident of our city. We know that. Thank you so much, Harry. I appreciate it. There he goes, Arash Markazi from the Sporting Tribune. Check out his coverage. He's always doing a fantastic job covering all sports with his squad that he has aligned out there. And, of course, we heard the names. Steve Carp, Willie G, Kevin E. Martin. Shout out to Adrian as well, who's out in Detroit covering um, SummerSlam for the Sporting Tribune. So shout out to them. It's always great having alternatives in media because when – 
folks like me started, it was okay. You're either going to be at a TV station, at a radio station, or at a newspaper. That's all. Now, you can create your own website, and depending on the hard work that you put in is how much you're going to get out of it. So it's awesome seeing what Arash is doing with the Sporting Tribune and bringing in great, talented folks to cover amazing events in our town. 702-365-9200 is the number that you should call to get on the air today here on the JT The Brick Show. I want to listen from the Raider Nation in Oakland, in LA, in Vegas, three places where you got chapters from the Black Hole. They have over 40 chapters worldwide. They've been been the foundation of the nation since 1995. Join them to connect with other fans from all over the world that bleed silver and black. Visit theblackhole.com and become an official member of football's most notorious fans. Shout out to Mark. Shout out to Cisco. Shout out to Johnny, Becca, all the folks in the Black Hole. I'm ready for them to tailgate starting with the preseason game in less than 10 days. August 13th, Allegiant Stadium. We'll see you there. Let's go to a break. You're listening to the J to the Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. It's really the same thing we did Back last to year. The JT um, the Brick the Show day. with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. It's really the same thing we did last year um, on the first day. You know, there's, you know, you have to, you know, there's pros and cons of that. You make a decision on, you know, whether or not you're going to do a little bit of that. We thought for our young players, you know, especially, you know, having an opportunity to actually, you know, not have to worry about necessarily like restrictions and all that might be a, a better way for them to start, you know, getting acclimated a little bit where, okay, I, there's, you know, I'm not going to get yelled at if I end up on the ground here. Um, so it was good for us to be able to put some plays on tape and be able to coach off of that. Um, but, you know, it's, we have few opportunities uh, to get into pads and work all the techniques and fundamentals that we need with contact um, that obviously everybody's going to need to do well uh, to be a good football team. So uh, we'll try to see if we can't string another day together today. Josh McDaniel speaking about the physicality that the Raiders showed in their first day of pads on Tuesday. And I was there. I stayed the whole practice that day, and I was surprised that they went full force on day one. At first, they were taking it easy, but by the end of practice, you saw players wrapping up the team's front, well, defensive players wrapping up the offensive ones, some even from below the the waist. And I was like, hey, you know what? It just shows you. The guys that are potentially bubble fellows that are trying to get from the outside into that 53-man roster, they're going to try to do everything. And for moments, I was like, hey, guys, Relax a little bit. We don't want any injuries. Unfortunately, the first injury in camp happened that day with Brandon Faison being carted off the field, and we haven't heard any update regarding the cornerback for the Silver and Black on what went down and how uh, 
good or bad the prognostication is about him coming back to the field. Of course, we wish it's a good one, but guess what? When one player isn't available, that opens a spot for somebody else to be on the field and show what they have, and that's what the Raiders are doing right now, evaluating the talent that they have and how they fit in the current scheme and with their current teammates. It's definitely a fun time of the year in training camp. Everybody is 0-0. Nobody has an advantage in the standings, and now the Silver and Black, they want to be in a positive spot for that. You need a defense that shows out, a defense that is above average, a defense that doesn't have your offense thinking about having to score 35-plus points per game to win a matchup against their opponents. And for this defense to function the way that the Raiders want it to, they need a linebacker corp that actually is able to be considered a good one in the league because we've seen a lot of rotation in that position over the last couple of years, starting with uh, Corey Littleton and Nick Witkowski that were brought in as free agent signings in 2020. That didn't work, and now you just try to see the new variation of that linebacker core and right now one of the top guys in it that he has to be one of the leaders is Divine Diablo who after having his press conference postponed for a couple of days finally spoke to the media today and here is what Divine had to say in today's media availability. Divine when we talked to you in the spring you were kind of uh, trying to figure out that sweet spot for you in terms of your weight and uh, being able to cover and be able to set up against the run do you feel like you've, uh, you've found that? Yes, I feel like uh, the, I lost a little weight from the spring. I felt I was a little too big, but now I feel comfortable where I'm at. A lot of new, lot of new faces on D-line. What are you seeing at practice behind those guys? What's been the impression so far of the new, the new guys on the D-line? I think they're doing a great job, especially of uh, taking on double teams, keeping the linemen off of us, so we're free to the ball. So I think those guys are doing great. You were getting your hands on a lot of balls uh, today defensively. There were some interceptions that you, that you guys came up with, some tip balls. How important is that to grow as a unit in terms of making plays, not just doing your job but making plays? It's very important to us. We challenge each other every day. Uh, sometimes we put um, like push-up competitions on, on the board. Whoever gets the most picks get, doesn't have to do push-ups, stuff like that. So, yeah, we're, we're, it's very important to us. Who's usually winning those competitions? <laughs> I'll say right now, uh, the corners are winning. Um, LBs, we we catching up right now. We, I think we had two balls today. What's that linebacker room like now with Robert Spillane there? Uh, Robert Spillane's great, man. He's a smart guy. He's teaching me things. I feel like he's a very experienced linebacker. Uh, he's a hard hitter. He's very, he comes to work. like He puts energy into me, and that's really hard to do. So uh, I'm surprised, and I'm, great, I'm glad, grateful to have him here. Everybody's different. Max and Robert, vocal guys. You're not the most vocal guy in the world, but you are intense. Will you talk about how the dynamics of all that mixes different personalities, please? Uh, I feel like we all just feed off of each other. If Robert's, uh, I help Rob out, he helps me out. It's just, it's just all like a team thing. It's a team, and um, I see a lot of chemistry out there, and I'm proud of us. It's got to keep it up. I'm sorry. Coming in, obviously, you were safety to linebacker you know, transition, and then obviously you have Luke and Amari, who are kind of in the same boat. How have you been able to help those guys kind of transition after, you know, kind of having that experience at safety? And how much do you think that benefits your game as a linebacker with that previous experience? I think where the game is at today, I think it's a lot of passing. Um, I think it helped benefits in that case scenario. As far as run game, we do have to put on a little weight so to take on these linemen. But as far as uh, Bernie and Luke, 
whenever they ask me, I, I just help them out, uh, give them little tips. Obviously, I'm only like a year ahead of Luke and then two ahead of Bernie. But in whatever way possible, we help each other out. What did you learn from your first off season that you carried into your second? Like, did you learn how to do things better in terms of when you start training and that kind of thing? Like, Actually, yes. Um, my first, my rookie off season, I, I, it took a little while. I wanted to take a break from football. Um, this past off season, I went to work as soon as possible. Um, put on more weight, study more film, and I feel like it's helped me a lot. What did you learn watching more film about you? About me? Um, I waste. I do a lot of wasted steps. I shouldn't move too fast to the right or to the left. I should, you know, just bounce my feet, be patient, see what's going on, and then attack because I feel like I'm fast enough to react. I just got to be patient. Did you find it, I guess, difficult maybe to find a balance when you, if you go to work and just grind through the whole offseason? Like, do you have to find a balance? Or is that something you were concerned about? Uh, I was a little concerned about it. I still found some weekends to uh, take time to myself, uh, get a massage, go somewhere. I went to Disneyland with my girlfriend. Um, just small things, but outside of that, uh, I was football was really important to me this year. Are you sensing a different mindset in the, on the defense this year compared to last year? I am. Um, I don't really like to talk about last year, but this year I, I know we're hungry. We're all going after balls. We're all running to the ball. And we're just trying to keep that mindset, keep building it. We've seen you make some plays on the on the ball and coverage uh, earlier in camp. Um, I, I know that's always kind of been a strength of your game. You're able to do both. But do you feel a little more comfortable uh, in the past game going into your third year? Yes, I feel a lot more comfortable going. And um, I'm getting, I'm understanding what the offense is trying to do to us now. I understand my responsibility as well as everybody around me. So I try to use that to my strength. When do you think that clicked when you started kind of understanding more of the offense was trying to do? I think me really finally getting to uh, the scheme for a second year. My first year was a different scheme, second year was a different scheme. So me already knowing the playbook, just trying to expand from that, it, it helped out a lot. When we were talking to Brandon uh, facing about last week and guys spent two years at Virginia Tech, how cool was it to kind of go in 2021 to both evolving into the roles that you had going into this season now? Uh, be fair, that's my boy, man. Um, I'm happy to see him here. Um, it just brings back memories from, from Virginia Tech, and we just got to represent. It pushes me even more because I want to represent the Hokies as well while I'm here. So, yeah, I just, I'm glad to have him here. Could you give us your analysis on Drake Thomas and Amari Bernie, two rookie linebackers, just what you see from them, what you like? Uh, I like that they're both very hungry. Um, they know what to do. They really don't have any mental errors. They're always in the classroom. Shoot, they're teaching me things sometimes, so um, they take football very seriously, and I appreciate them for that. The Virginia Tech Hokie third rounder in 2021 for the Silver and Black, a transformed safety into a linebacker. We've seen Divine Diablo also physically transform into the beast that he looks like today, six feet three, 226 pounds. He's putting in the work to be fast to be physical to be able to both stuff the run but also be able to cover those big tight ends that they are in the NFL especially trying to figure out a formula to stop Travis Kelsey which keeps being a pain in the you know what for the silver and black every time Las Vegas faces Kansas City I love what he said about the challenge each other every day when you talk about those players in the defense but specifically the linebackers including some uh, push 
matchup challenges whenever you don't get the best out of each other. It's like, hey, whoever didn't do the best job, they got to do push-ups. And you know that's always something that you try to avoid whenever you are practicing because you already put a lot of work in. Also, he spoke about Rob Spillane, the linebacker that arrived as a free agent coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers and about the teaching that he brings to the table, about the energy he comes to work with every day. And that's something that I really, really appreciate from a, a veteran like Spillane being able to spread that knowledge with other players because they all are hungry to get to the football. And that is something that we spoke about yesterday. I brought the numbers. I told you guys how long it has been since the Raiders have gotten 20 plus turnovers in a season 2016 when they had 30 and you want to get to that level you want to get a defense that changes games not only impacts with a big tackle for loss with a pass defended but actually a sack that is a strip sack an interception a fumble that you provoke in deep in the field and you change what was going to be a positive outcome for your opponent to a positive outcome for you by not allowing points. So that is something that this defensive unit and obviously the linebacker core is something important that the Raiders have to bring. And Divine Diablo, there's a lot of hopes surrounding this third-year player for the Silver and Black that unfortunately in that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, pretty much his season came to an end with that forearm injury. We hope that he is healthy this year, and that's something that the Raiders, you look all over other training camps and you hear season-ending injury, season-ending injury, and you just want to stay healthy throughout training camp and come back stronger for when the regular season starts. Divine Diablo, we just heard his media available from today's training camp session. Thank you to the Raiders media uh, folks that got us Divine Diablo finally now that he missed practice the other day. He came out. He was available today. I love what we heard from him and Raider Nation. We want these guys, these draft picks to end up panning out because you know that those are the guys that if you build from within, that makes your team stronger. I know he's technically not a player selected by this current regime, but he's still out here. That means that they have seen something out of him and the Raiders need to get good play out of these guys. Raider Nation, remember, you can still call in 702-365-9200. I want to see what you guys expect from the preseason, what you guys hope you get to see out of this preseason because you know that the ones more than likely won't be playing out there on the field, but there will be interesting players that are trying to earn their spots in the 53-man roster or, heck, even show that they deserve to be getting paid every week in the practice squad. Remember DJ Turner last year in the preseason, the wide receiver? He was able to show out, and he earned himself a spot in the 53-man roster here and there as an active player, but in the practice squad, he was always there. Get a modelo. It's Friday. It's the official cerveza of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. Modelo, rooted in the heart of the Raider Nation. Let's go to a break, and we'll be back to kick off our number two of the JT The Brick Show. Yeah. 